0: Welcome to the Santa Ponce Community Church, and um, let's open our Bibles, let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, actually Ephesians chapter 2. And let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word, we thank you so much for the privilege of having it in our languages. which is when we think of the, the the sacrifice, the work, the suffering that went, that people went through for us to have it in our language is a, it's amazing. And uh, I pray, Father, that as we look briefly at it, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, and that you would help us, Lord, to um, to grow grow healthy in our minds, in our hearts, and in our wills, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said last week, um, my desire is to do a mini-series, Five Sessions on Mental Health. Um, I'm not an expert, and that almost sounds like, okay, why are you talking about it? But after pastoring all these years... I've kind of observed quite a bit and have, and also uh, looking at the Bible, seeing what's there, what's not there, uh, bringing some balance to the whole topic. I think these are um, some good guidelines that we can learn through these five sessions to help us on the way. I'm not saying here we're going to have all the solutions, but it's definitely going to help us on the way. Last week, we looked at the fact that. Uh, Mental health begins by having right thoughts about God. I mean, if we have wrong thoughts about God, there is, we are done to begin with. If we think he's moody, if we think he's crazy, if we think he's sadistic, I mean, and and we are Christians, we're really gonna struggle with that. We need to get a balanced view of who God is. And if you would like to listen to that, that is actually online today. Um, but the next step uh, in, in, many things, in many ways what we also need uh, in order to cultivate mental health um, is to have right thoughts about ourselves, right? Did you know that the earth is spinning where we're at at a thousand kilometers per hour? If we were in the equator it would be at 1,650 kilometers per hour. And if we were north of Norway, it might be 830 kilometers per hour. But nevertheless, we are moving, and we are moving fast. Did you know that the earth is traveling around the sun at 107,000 kilometers per hour? Your hair is not even moving I mean, we are cruising at high speed across, around the sun. But did you also know that our solar system is traveling or, or, or around, our gal- or around our galaxy, the Milky Way, at 720,000 kilometers per hour? And did you know that the Milky Way, our galaxy is traveling around the universe at a whooping 2.1 million kilometers per hour. I mean, it's just crazy. It is 36,811 kilometers a minute, 614 kilometers a second. Mallorca is 6,312 kilometers from New York City. We would get there in 10 seconds. It's a reality. That is how we're moving. But we are unaware of it. When I lived in, um, well I didn't live there actually, when I, I lived in North Carolina and then we took a missions trip over to, um, to the Tarahumata Indians in Mexico and we were uh, taking the gospel there with New Tribes Missions um, and missionaries that had been there 18 years in the middle of nowhere, I've never seen stars like in that place. We live saturated by light pollution. You're like, what, light pollution? Yes, we can't even see the stars, there's so many lights around us. At least not the way that you see them in the canyons of the Taromaras, because you can see them in the horizon. I mean, they are just in your face. You just feel like almost you're in the stars to a degree, and you see the vastness of where we live. There was a rabbi that st- stumbled into a Russian base in Russia, and the police and the and the soldiers said to the rabbi. Who are you and what are you doing here? And the rabbi, as he heard those questions, said to him, I will pay you a salary each month for you to ask me that question every day of my life. There was an immediate question, who are you and what are you doing here in the base But there's a profound question, who are we and what are we doing here in this universe? Are we an accident? Just fun? What's the meaning of life? What's our identity? Are we worth anything? In a sense. Our identities can be found in hobbies, academics, social group and friendships, personal appearance, fashion, community involvement, personal experiences, and life journey, traveling, identity and relationships, sexuality, intellectualism, money, power. But who are we? What are we doing here? Some of us can find our identity and our worth on what people have said to us. Maybe in yourself, all you see is guilt, shame, worthlessness, feeling like you're a thing rather than a person. Maybe it was the way that people spoke to you when you were little. Maybe it was, in, in, um, maybe it was even when you're older in a bad relationship. Maybe it's uh, with, with um, peers. Guilt, shame, worthlessness, feeling like a thing rather than a person. And my question is how should we see ourselves? Do we have value? What is our identity? What is an identity that is real and that is lasting? How do we allow ourselves to be transformed in a way that surpasses the little tiny identities that we hold on to in life? How do you think of yourself? How does God want you to think of yourself? What do you see when you look in the mirror? We had Sam Alberry here a few uh, months ago, and he told us about uh, a friend of his that gave him a phone call and said, Sam, I'm really gonna need you to pray for me. I'm about to go to the beach. And he was not gonna go to the beach and need prayer for what he was gonna see or what he was gonna get. The reason he needed prayer is because when he looked in the mirror, He hated his body. He hated himself. And the reason, if you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, it says, and you he made alive who were dead in sins and trespasses in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. So we were just sort of cruising through this universe, just doing whatever we feel, whatever, you know, according to the forces around us. But then it says this, but God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy... Because of His great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in sins and trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding richness of His grace In his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Oh my goodness. I mean, what is our identity? Are we just sort of, what is our value? Are we just sort of cruising through the universe with no meaning? Let's just, whatever happens, happens? Or is there a God? Is there value to us? Is there purpose? If you turn to Psalm 8, Turn there with me because this, you've got to look at these verses. Psalm 8 says, verses 3 through 9 says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. I'm going to paraphrase. What in the world is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. For you had made him a little lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. David asked the question, man, when I see everything, what in the world are we? Number one, one of the things that we need to realize and we need to let it sink deep into our hearts is that Jesus sees value, tremendous value in man. You're like, well, wait a minute. I thought we were sinners. I thought we were wicked. I thought we were under the sway of the enemy. Oh, yes, that's true. But as much as God is a as man is a fallen being capable of atrocities, man is also created in the image of God and capable of tremendous things. And it's amazing to me, and and you got to think this, Jesus said this, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, right? Now let's look at Jesus. What value does Jesus have of man? How does he value man? Number one, the story is of a man in the cemetery, discarded by his town, tied in chains, cutting, destroying himself, even at times with such strength that he was able to break the chains. And when we were in Israel, in Tiberias, as we were on the Sea of Galilee, our guide told us that one rabbi spoke about how it is possible on a good day from the side of Tiberias, from the hills, that you could hear somebody, if the wind was moving in the right direction, you could actually hear somebody screaming from the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And remember, before Jesus said, we're going over to the other side, he had went up to the mountain to pray. And the rabbi was saying, could it be that as he was in the mountain praying in the silence of the night with the breeze in the right direction, that he could hear that man growling, groaning. And that's why Jesus said, Let's go over to the other side. And the storm comes to keep them from going to the other side. And Jesus says, peace, be still. But he went over there. And the man fell at his feet to worship. The demons screaming. But him falling to worship. And Jesus delivered him. Listen, guys. And they said that he was, because he was naked. It says he was clothed. And in his right mind. But the value that Jesus had for this man. The value that he would leave heaven. Not even leave the mountain. Leave heaven. And come to earth. To meet this man in the depth. Of his pain. Of his chaos. Of his self-destructive nature some of you were self-destructing and you are valuable to him and Jesus left heaven because you are valuable even if you were the only person on earth so much so that in the garden He prayed and he sweat drops of blood. Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What is the struggle here? The struggle is that he doesn't want to go through the suffering per se, but you and I are so valuable that he went to the cross. Not just met the man. But he went to the cross and he paid with his own blood for you and I. We are valued much more precious. We are, we are of more value than, than even silver and gold. We are worth the blood of Jesus. As a matter of fact, When the Corinthian church was full-on in their sexual sin, I mean, to the point where one man was sleeping with his father's wife, I mean, think about that. I mean, it's just like Paul's just like, oh, my goodness. And, and, and they were just like, oh, well, it's okay. Kiss it out, sit out, whatever will be, will be. And, and you know, it's, what's interesting to me is that the Apostle Paul is not so much saying that it is wrong. He actually says, don't you realize that you've been bought at a price you are not your own? Don't you realize how valuable you are? Don't you realize how treasured you are? Don't you realize? You are not your own. You've been bought at a price with the blood of Jesus. I believe that as we look at the scriptures, we see throughout the scriptures how people were transformed not only by right thoughts about God, His holiness, His justice, His His anger against sin, His love, His grace, His kindness, but we also see how people were melted. They were melted in themselves when they realized how valuable they were to God. He changed their view of themselves. The Apostle Paul, he says, I don't know how many times he says, in in Ephesians chapter 1, he says, um, in Christ Jesus, by Christ Jesus, in the beloved. And the Apostle Paul went from seeing himself as this slave to all of a sudden seeing himself as a child of God in Christ Jesus We've been reading these verses lately quite a bit but but in Galatians chapter in Galatians chapter 2 the apostle Paul says these words that are just amazing I mean he's realizing the value that he has he says I've been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And in, a, in a Philippians chapter three, he says, "I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. And what things were profit to me, I count as dung for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord." His whole identity changed. He saw himself in the light of Jesus. I remember once Dave Shirley, uh, one of my mentors, said to me, "Raf." Find your life in the scriptures. And I remember thinking to myself, that's, what in the world does that mean? Find your life in the scriptures. And he said, Jesus found his life in the scriptures. And and think about Jesus growing up. Jesus is, is 12 and he goes to the temple. But at one point, I mean, we, we, we don't know his deity, his humanity. We don't know to what degree and when he realized who he was, his function. I mean, there's processes going on there. But as he read the scriptures, he began to realize who he was. It is written of me he began to realize that all the scriptures testify of him of course in his humanity but in the same way for us when i read ephesians chapter 2 and i and i and i and i and I, and I see this, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom you also once conducted yourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we we were dead in sins and trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ and raised us that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ. Jesus It just shows me that's who I was and this is who God made me through his love and his value. I think Peter as well, when Jesus said to him, you are Simon, but you shall be called Peter. Follow me and I will, I will make you a fisher of men. I think for the first time in his life, the, you know, Peter's like, really? You want me? You want me? Because I don't see very much here. I see a double-minded guy. I see a guy that speaks when he shouldn't speak. I don't see much potential here. And Jesus says, I'm going to change the world through you. I'm going to change the world through you. I will make you. You know, when I told this story, Loretta reminded me that I told this story a few weeks ago, but it's okay. I always tell stories more than once, a million times sometimes, but it's okay. I remind you. But there was a young... Well, I was in Cuba. We did a, a pastor's leaders conference with 800 pastors. And, of course, they brought their children. And, um, and at one point, the, the youth... They asked me if I would uh, just have a, a, a session with the youth, and we were, I, I forgot how many, but it was, a, it was a pretty large group, and then so I just began to go around and ask people to tell their stories, and we got to one girl. She was 18 years old, and when we got to her, she just busted out crying, and she says, I mean, I, honestly, it took such guts for her to say this now that I think about it, but I mean, she says, I'm a prostitute. She just bursted out crying. And in that moment, what we said could make it or break it. And I looked at her and I said, you are a princess. You are loved by God. You are valued by Him. You are his treasure. And she just started weeping and weeping and weeping. And then she began to write me about books to read and stuff like that. And you know what? That girl left what she was doing, plugged into church, plugged into Bible school in Cuba, and now is serving the Lord. She didn't realize the value, the love. sometimes we can be so stressed about what people think of us. Who cares what anybody thinks of you? All that matters is what God thinks of you. That's all that matters. I remember when I was a teenager, I was in in junior high and high school in in the United States, one of the cruelest jungles you could ever go into. Just... The popularity game, the, the clicks, the, the, the cruelty of teenagers is just bananas. I mean, at least for me it was. It was not a very good experience. And I remember that it was so important for me how I dressed, what people thought of me, what this kid thought of me. I just got a message from someone and said, hey, there is a, a, a class gathering This year, you should come. I'm like, I can't remember anybody. (laughs) And in that time, it was so important what they thought of me. Now, I I don't even know who they are anymore. Imagine when we get to eternity. (laughs) Sometimes we find our identity in all kinds of things. I'm, I'm a part of a group. Um, a facebook group which i love these groups you know and it's a military one from when i was in the army at age of 19 i was in the military 2 years 16 weeks i can and, and a couple hours <laughs> and there are still i don't know if i told you this story i'm so sorry but 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 i remember we were on that group and and one guy put a picture up and, and I'm going to use a word that maybe it's not so correct, but he says, we were some badasses, weren't we? And I was like, that's not how I remember us. I remember us training and being shot down by friendly fire. You know, and so we can sort of romanticize the past and find our identity in who we are think we were, not really who we were. And sort of live in the past. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? I mean, what we have now in Jesus, our identity in him is so tremendous. And it doesn't matter what it is that you've gone through. He he renews the years He restores the years the locusts have eaten. Turn with me to Psalm 139. Look at verses 2 through 4. It says, You know my sitting down. And my rising up You understand my thought afar of off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. There's no word in my tongue, and behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. Look at seven through 12. It says, "Where can I go from your spirit? or where can I flee from your presence if I ascend into the heaven?" are both alike to you for you form my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame is not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there was not one of them. I mean, here, Paul, Peter, I mean, David is meditating and thinking. And Loretta, we were just talking about the Psalms uh, yesterday. And she's like, you know what? I just think some of these Psalms were not written in one moment. I think it was a season of David's life. And here he is. He's realizing how valuable he is to God. I have an artist friend from Northern Ireland, and he said to me, he said, you know, the best thing you can give a person is your attention. They're important. You listen. God gives us his attention because we are valuable to him. This is not, this is not to puff you up into pride. This is to melt you into humility. what truly will change our life, your life, my life, will be a humble realization that we are so loved by God, that we are so valuable to Him, and that like we sang today, we are not our own. This is the beginning, isn't it? I mean, it's not exhaustive for mental health. But I think for all of us, we are going to be at different levels. And we'll look at it next week. Next week, we're going to look at statistics, different sources, different levels of it. But I think a rock-solid foundation for us is to have right thoughts about God and to have right thoughts about ourselves. Because if we lose it there, and let me tell you, when I lived in London, looking back, I went through one of the deepest, probably depressions and anxiety you can imagine. So much so that my pastor actually asked me at a conference if I would talk to a doctor. And we have a friend, pastor uh, friend, who, who's a doctor, and and. Um, And he was there in Austria and he just talked to me. And I don't know if it was the lack of sun because I was raised in Mallorca and I was raised in Virginia Beach. There was always sun. And next thing you know, I'm under seven layers of clouds. Or I don't know if it was the warfare. I don't know if it was. I I don't know what it was. But I'll tell you what. I had anxiety like you wouldn't believe. And the worst thing that happened to me that would just sort of make the snowball even bigger and bigger and bigger was the thought that I might not be valuable or loved by God. It's that pillar, it's that foundation that is the beginning to cause us to stand firm in whatever it is. We're moving. Not law, but love. Galatians says this. The law is a teacher. Right? You shall not commit adultery. You shall have no other gods beside me. You, sh- uh, you shall not covet. You shall not, um, um, you shall honor your father and your mother. And the law is there to show us that we need a Savior. You cannot fulfill the law. If you try to live a life, if you try to live just a really, really good life, you're going to fail miserably. And the whole Old Testament is evidence that you can't. You know, we always go through this. I mean, you see Adam and Eve in the garden. What do they do? They sin. Then you have everyone. You know, you have Noah's time, and 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 God with with uh, with an expression of 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 for us to understand. But he regrets making man. Then he, the whole thing goes through, and he picks Abraham to build a nation, and then the guy lies. And then he makes them, but then you have Isaac, who was okay. There's not much about him. But then you have Jacob, who is a deceiver. And then you have um, the time of the judges, where everybody just did what was right in their own eyes. And then you have the time of... um, um, of Moses, when when oh, actually it was the other way. Sorry, it was the other way around. But you have you have Moses, then you have Joshua, and and in the, the last chapter of Joshua, is like choose you this day who you're gonna serve. If it's the Lord, serve the Lord. If it's if if it's not, just go whatever you know and. And and everyone's like, yeah, we're gonna serve the Lord. The very next chapter of Joshua is, and everyone did it what was right in their own eyes. Then you have the times of the kings, and you have all the Israel kings bad, and the best king they ever had committed adultery and murdered a guy. And then you have the end of the Old Testament, Malachi, where the nation is just in shambles. The whole Old Testament shows us the law will never fix you. The law is there to help see the problem and it's His loving kindness and His power and the giving of Jesus that is the solution for us. God wants you to know that you are valuable to Him and that you mean something to Him and that you mean much to Him. Jesus did not go up to the mountain to pray all night because of the law, because he had to. He went all night to the mountain to pray because he loved his father. It's love. As we realize his love for us, in turn, we begin to have a love relationship to him. And then now we're landing. We get to enjoy his benefits. Look at at chapter 1 of Ephesians. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Notice verse 4. He has chosen us in him. Notice later that you should be holy. That you should be blameless before him in love notice verse 5 you've been adopted notice verse 6 you've been accepted in the beloved notice verse 7 we have redemption through his blood we have forgiveness of sins notice verse 11 we have obtained an inheritance notice verse 13 we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit notice verse 5 of chapter 2 we have been saved we have been raised in chapter 6 we sit together with him Verse 10 of chapter 2, we are his workmanship. We we are his work of art. I mean, and on and on, the benefits that we have in him. That, that is a foundation to discover. Yesterday, we were watching the news, and there was news of the king of Spain sailing here in Spain. He's here there in in the port. And Jonathan's is like, hey, let's go see him. I'm like, why? I'm a king too. (laughs) And my mom was there and she goes, and there's an expression in Spanish. It's like, you don't need a grandmother because grandmothers always praise you. You know, it's like, I'm a king. But in reality, we are, as believers, we are kings and we are priests. Realizing the value, realizing the Identity. When we realize God's character and have right thoughts about God, it changes everything. And when we realize who we are and how much we mean to Him, it changes everything. You've been bought at a price. You are the temple. You belong to the one who made everything. He loved you, whether no matter how deep you are. In your mind at times, David says, Though I go to the depths, behold, you are there. No matter what you've done, no matter what has been done to you, no matter what sin has done, you are valuable to him. So who are we? What are we doing here? do we have meaning? Are we valuable? And the answer is, yes, a billion times. No eye has seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Right thoughts about God right thoughts about ourselves as we discover the Scripture together. And next week, we will look at statistics and we will look at different types of of around us, not only to help us as such, but to be aware of people around us that we might be of assistance, that we might be careful realizing that not everybody is the same, but everybody is valuable.